I like that. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's up? I stretched my screen, so now you're on top and I'm on the bottom. I like this. I feel like the Brady Bunch. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'll just do this because you're you're below me. So right. just pat the top of your head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if people realize that. That's what I do in most of the videos while I'm watching other people talk. I'll like look down at them or I'll look over, or start poking them. You know. <laughs> Oh, uh, it's it's hilarious, you know. Just to be like, they're like, what are you doing? Alaikum, everyone. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet ten thousand people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. Be. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10... We did not know each other, and we could not speak to each other, because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who is taking donations from the NRA, I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believed them. Children being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. I believe them. And you can change the entire population of the world, eight billion people. And if you could have figured out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change, change their, lives their lives forever. Well, it didn't happen, and here we are. I believe these women. You're wrong. I feel extremely lucky to, to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. There were 329 uprisings, 257 cities within four and a half years. And neither Martin nor Fannie had any control over that. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and fighting our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. But their children were saved, and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world, but the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless us. And may God bless us. So how's Washington State today? Well, we got a bunch of new restrictions in place, so uh, things are starting to close back down. Mm, how's that? What's that well, like? For me, it doesn't change anything. I'm still working from home, so right. um, we we you know we kind of figured that that was going to be the case. Um, you know, everybody's tempered their expectations pretty well within my organization. So, um, you know, everything's been like, you know, yeah, you're going to be working from home at least through September, and then it's like, well, at least through December, and then I'm like. I'm sitting here going, I'm probably not coming back into the office until June at the earliest right. next year. I know this. And so uh, about a week ago or two, we got the official, you're not, you know, you might be coming back in at the, you know, at the beginning of April. And I'm like, nope. Yeah. That's when the vaccine is <clears throat> supposed to actually hit the market, right? To the general population. Yep. So. And even then, I think everybody, you know, we've got a plan to phase people back in from there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's just going to be easier to test the waters and make sure that we don't have a bunch of people coming out. And who knows? There's already been a bunch of talks about whether or not, you know, people, not, not with our organization, but even just around the country, like, you know, uh, whether or not you'll be able to go back to public places unless you've gotten the vaccine. Um, right. I know, I think it was Australia. They've had, um, they've, started to implement, you know, their no jab, no pay, which was, you know, if you don't get vaccinated, you don't get, you know, social benefits. Sure. So I don't like you know, that, by the way. So there from there, what they're saying is, is that if you don't get the coronavirus vaccine, your kids won't be able to go to public school. Mm, I like that. What's well, uh, to me, it's, it's one of those things like, you know, they're, they're asking you to get your standard panel of vaccinations. It's mm -hmm. not like they're like, Hey, you know, be a tester, be our guinea pig. Right. So like, I can see why, because if you're going to be paying out medical benefits, 
there's no reason to be paying out medical benefits for completely preventable diseases. That's true. That's true. I just hate anything being attached to public welfare. They always try and do that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, no. There's you can't smoke weed unless you're on public welfare. You you gotta you have to actually have a job, but you can't get a job to be on public welfare. You know, I mm -hmm. make thirty dollars too much to actually be on public welfare. So yep, I don't like the attachments. I think if somebody needs it, you know, and you can they can prove it, you help them out, but you don't help them out for the rest of their life. You know. Well, and, and one of the things that I've looked at is just how, you know, different state systems work. You know, in a lot of states, it's very much a, you know, you either qualify for all of it or you qualify for none of it. Mm -hmm. And so you find yourself in this position of, well, if I work just enough hours, I can keep my benefits that I need mm -hmm. in order to keep working. But if I, I, I just can't get ahead, but if I try to get ahead, then I'm making just enough to where all of my benefits are gone. And now it's impossible for me to do my job. So, right. I, so was, I was told that if I spent 30 more dollars on healthcare, like Medicare, if I just got a new plan, added it to it, I would be under the level and I would qualify for free healthcare. Hmm. So that's the ridiculousness of government. And you know, I know this is yep. a bad mm. issue. And I know that it's not something that we legally can do, but you know, I'm thinking about this and like Google and Facebook and all these other entities have all my data. Like they know who I am. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's floating in the air. It's now free and public. I mean, everybody can have it. Jesus Christ. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, the glories of, uh, you know, the glories of what Facebook has is, is you know, I it's pretty that. impressive. Um, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, I mean, the data that they have on you is, is immense and mm. amazing, you know, in, in some regards. I mean, that's been our part of our price for using all of these free services, you know, yeah. nothing is ever really truly free. Right. But my point is, so if the government made an app for everybody that was on disability, welfare, social security, Medicaid, all of these benefit plans and took their data, right? Part of the policy, part of the agreement, and then they would know me. And if they knew me, they could find the right job for me. Right. I mean, I'm legally blind, but I'm sure there's shit I can do. You work, right? And you're legally blind. So it's not it's just finding the right job. And that's the question everybody always asks me, like, are you lazy? Like, why don't you work? And I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? You know, and be a cashier. Well, I can't see the, I can't see the numbers, you know, well, mm -hmm. go get a grunt job. Okay. Well, how am I going to get there? What am I going to spend on Uber every day to get there? You know? And, and so mm -hmm. people don't think about it. They're just like, work. well, if I should work, tell me what I can do. And, the only person that can do that is the one with all of this data. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and so, you know, there, therein lies a, a very interesting rub in that, mm -hmm. you know, first what you're expecting is, is that the government actually gives a shit about you as a person. Right. And really they only care about your money. And for them, it makes sense that, you know, if you had something like that, yeah, they might want to try and, find you a job so that way they're not having to spend money on you. Mm. But at the same time too, you know, with that kind of information, you know, if the government has that available, the question is, is what are they willing to do with it? That is not helpful to you. Well, exactly. And the rule is, you know, you don't turn surveillance inside the homeland. Yeah. Well, you know, what we found out in 2012 was, yeah, that that's definitely not, happening <laughs> we did a whole we, we did a series on the program that by george bush james comey saved the day he's a hero in that in that movie you know in that in that story so well and and when you look at you know prism and what edward snowden un uncovered i Holy mean crap, yeah you know like most of us in the tech industry pretty much figured that that was happening you know it was that was 
we know the kind of data that's that's floating around out there. So when that popped up, most of us weren't surprised. You know, the general public was just absolutely, you know, aghast with, you know, horror that our government would be doing such a thing to us. And most of us in the tech industry were going, yeah, that's what you know of. Right. Trust me. It's it's the the rabbit hole is a lot deeper than you ever want to know. Yes, and I I think we've given up a certain amount of privacy, so I don't know why people mm-hmm. are complaining. You know what I mean? Well, you you know you gave up privacy by joining you know a social media outlet. Mm-hmm. You know, what well, what people don't realize is is that what you're handing over in those sites is absolutely easy i mean even for someone like me who has done juror analysis so like anybody who sits on a jury i think that's you know cool. you know anybody who sits on a jury you know there's only a few things there's only a few pieces of data about you that i need to figure out who you are and what your thought process is Ooh, what's that tell me so there's a few pe- there's a few very simple pieces and some of it is you know it seems innocuous zip code start with zip code you know based on a certain zip code i can tell if you live in a wealthy area or if you live in a poor area let's throw all all the votes in detroit so yep so so there you go so there's there's step number one step number two is if you post anything political Mm. like you know you don't have to you don't have to post a, a maga picture in order for me to figure out that you're maga right you know, there's, there's a few things that all you, you know, there's a few simple things that all you got to do is, is have that on your, on your Facebook profile. And I automatically can figure out where you sit. Cory Booker quote right here. Yep. And then <laughs> simply, you know, number three is any place that you might check in. Mm. Because, you know, well, for example, let's say that, you know, you're checking in at, well, let's go with Whataburger, for example, because I've been craving that lately. I don't know why. Um, but one of the things that you'll see is is that, you know, Whataburger, you know, at least in, in Arizona where I lived, every Whataburger that I saw was right outside of a bus stop. Hmm. So if you're using public transportation because of the way that our thought process is about public transportation in America, I can assume that you're in a low-income area. But if you're posting if you're posting food pictures from fancy upscale restaurants, I know that you're wealthy. That's true. And you know the Publix by me, the grocery store, will not mm-hmm. build will not build by a bus stop. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? They want to have a certain air about them. And they, they want the I bus think... stop near them, but it's always behind the store or next mm-hmm. to the store. It's never never in front of the store. Well, uh, yeah, and I mean, I got my own thoughts on that. Out here, it seems to be, you know, they they seem to, you know, put the bus stops pretty well close to the front of the store. So, like, you're at least, or beside the store, like, close to an entrance. So, that Mm -hmm. way, it's like, you're you're dropping people off or picking people up, like, close to the entrance of, of like, Safeway, for example, or or Albertsons or Fred Meyer or whatever. Common sense in city planning instead of using racism and bias. You know what I mean? Well, and, and here's the thing is, is that, you know, like we've kind of talked about before, you know, work from home has kind of showcased how um, all of the commuting and all of this transportation, all the transportation issues that we have mm-hmm. are pretty well artificially manufactured. Yes. Most everything is, though. So, so this whole issue of, oh, well, we got to have people in the office. Oh, well, we got to have, you know, everybody driving all of these hours constantly mm-hmm. in order to get to our job. I mean, <clears throat> Microsoft is, you know, looking at making their, you know, work from home employees permanent work from home. I think it all should be. Well, I mean, the reduction in overhead is huge. For everyone. Right. You know, yeah, there's going to be some things that you, you have to have someone in a building for. IT is going to be one of those things. You know, you're going to have to have people in the building there. It's good to have, you know, your seniors and, and your C-suite in the building, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to be working on stuff. Board meetings um, and such, yeah. Right. You know, and, and even then, you know, it might be nice to have an in-person team meeting every so often, which great. 
you know, you can have plenty of conference rooms available for people to come in and meet once a month, maybe. Company retreat once a year, twice a year. Something mm. like that. Yeah. You know, do I miss seeing the t- my team that I work with? Absolutely. I miss seeing them in person. I'm very much an in-person communicator. I, I right. like being around people. But is there anything absolutely dire that I have needed in person during this time? No. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some wish list items because, yeah. you know, there's something to be said for me being able to just look over and go, hey, so I got a question for you. You know, yeah. the only difference is, is that I just have to type it out in a chat bar. You know, the little thing I loved hearing in the news about COVID, one of the bright spots was the fact that carbon emissions went way down. You know? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and it, yeah, I mean, it saves on insurance for the building, insurance for the employee, insurance for the employer, you know. It, it right. saves on a lot of that overhead. And for the employee, just the stress of not having to drive. Although, mm-hmm. I think that, like, a certain length drive for each person is relaxing when you can just get – it's – what I noticed about working was that going home, I had that transition. So even if I had a shitty day at work, I would play some music, get home, eat, be relaxed. And now yep. it's like shitty day, turn around, you're at home, you know? Mm-hmm. And so handling, handling it, because they're saying that lockdowns are causing depression and suicides and, and spousal abuse and all of this stuff. And I don't necessarily think it's the lockdown. I think it's how people are handling their emotions overall and how they've been taught to, you know? Well, so I, I, I had this argument with someone about their, you know, revolver had, you know, commissioned this groundbreaking study on the cost of a human life in, in mm-hmm. lockdowns. And I'm going, okay, number one, this is all bullshit. You know, let's, let's start with there. It's like, well, what's like what these, these world-class economists and I'm like, okay, let's start there you're looking at a mental health issue and you're using economists to justify no like a topical map right you're just putting the wrong topical map over the problem <clears throat> it's like it's like you know here's what you can here's here's some things that you can definitely look at in terms of let's say mental health and and numbers out there is is you know how have how financially people have been impacted and whether that, you know, leads to, you know, whether that can be a factor in depression, but mm-hmm. that's, you can't, you can't cross that line. That's not your right. realm. And then, you know, and when someone was like, Oh, well, you know, they, they had these people who, you know, are PhD graduate students in, in, you know, social work. And I'm going there. I looked it up and I'm like, number one, they're all, anonymous red flag number one is that in number two they're policy makers that's that's not someone who's versed in in mental health that's that's just another you know government wannabe it's like i you know as someone who has mental health issues that are well controlled by the way <laughs> seeing people try to do this in that way really pisses me off because it's clear that they don't understand what mental health issues actually are and what they look like. They think it's, they, they, you know, it's, they think it's something that's, you know, very simple that, Oh, well, if we just lift the lockdowns, all the mental health issues go, no, they still are there. It's Mm. just that now they're out and about rather than in their home. True that. So when I read this study and it was just pure garbage, it's like, you know, and on top of that, it's just complete in a place that's completely ad laden with anti-left propaganda, basically. Hmm. It's like, look, you know, I I don't have much love for, you know, the, the, the left side propaganda crap, but this isn't, this isn't the answer either. This is just garbage too. (laughs) That's right. And so it's like, I don't know how to argue with you that what you're trying to create a discussion around is literally a trash heap. Right. When you're starting with bullshit, it's kind of hard to have a debate about it, right? 
You, I mean, if if you're trying to have a good faith discussion about uh, about right. a, about a topic, yeah, you can't start a good faith discussion from a pile of bullshit. Exactly. Like there's just there there is no good faith. Right. So is, Joe, is Joe Biden a pedophile? Nobody has the evidence, so it's it's a it's a trash heap of discussion. We can't get past that. You know, it, is Joe Biden a sexual predator? Well, you have someone who has come out and said yes that something happened to them, but you know, once again, we don't have any proof. Right. You know, and and whether that's you know the party, whether that's the government, whether that's you know, Joe Biden himself making sure that this, you know, whatever is out there can't be seen. I, I can't speak for it. But he, Joe did, Biden, he did offer to open up the records, right? He and did. That's, what, that's one of the things we were waiting for him to become president for, to see if he would. I remember these things. Yep. Yep, exactly. And so I think, I think he has a duty to the public to open that up, you know, to see if there is anything there, you know, it, Rather than rather than you know just say you know he said it's you know it's not based in you know he said it's not true but if there are documents there this is where they would be and you know they should be out and available to the public so you know at least at least he didn't just toe the you know the same line of oh well no it's not real it's all garbage blah 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 right but. So with this, with this whole mental health issue, it's like the mental health issues were there before the lockdown. People need to understand this. You know, sure, there is definitely some cases I can't quantify. Obviously, I'm not a mental health professional. Mm. I, there are cases of lockdown depression. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, we're living through a pandemic. How can people, you know, how can some people not find themselves in a depressive state? And living in a pandemic that most of us aren't seeing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so to say that, you know, there aren't cases would be complete fabrication, but to say right. that most of this is because of the lockdown. No, no. Most of these issues were very present beforehand. It's just that coupled with a lockdown, it has highlighted some of these issues. Spousal, spousal abuse calls have gone up. There was, you know, that, uh, I think it was Seattle had put out their statistics on, you know, just some of the calls that they were getting. And I, and I said, and I I told somebody, it's like, look, you know, to say that the lockdown and and the pandemic is the cause of this is not true because Mm -hmm. the reality is, is that, some of that abuse was probably taking place before the pandemic. So the question is, is are people finally feeling empowered enough to actually do something about it? You know, have they just had enough of the bullshit that it's like, you know what? I'm going to deal with this abuse problem. If I'm going to be stuck at home, I'm not going to be stuck at home getting beaten. Because yeah, I thought to myself when this happened, I'm going to better myself during this time. Cause I'm so isolated. If I quit smoking and I'm an asshole, Nobody's going to know, right? <laughs> right. So, so whether or not, you know, there has been an increase of you know, actual domestic abuse, that's, that's a really tough number to quantify because mm-hmm. you're going to have to rely on, on people's, you know, saying, did, did your domestic abuse start before or after the lockdowns? And that's just not data we have. Right. You see an uptick and people go, oh, well, the uptick means that there has to be more domestic abuse. No, that's not necessarily true. More people are reporting it. That doesn't mean that there's any more or any less than there was before. It just yeah, means how, that how more get, people are reporting it. How do you get that question in a non-biased way to where you're not <sighs> um, soliciting a response? You know what I mean? You know, that's a, that is honestly a tough one. And right. that is one that I will I would let people more qualified <laughs> to, to ask that question, figure that one out. Because to me that, that is actually going to, that is actually an interesting question is, is, you know, whether people, whether you saw an uptick in actual abuse that was, or wasn't reported mm-hmm. this, you know, we have noted that there's been an uptick in reports. So to me, you know, because correlation does not equal causation, you know, just because we went into lockdown, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. these reports have increased, that does not mean that, you know, 
these reports have increased because of the pandemic. It means that people are reporting more, but that doesn't that doesn't mean that you know the the root cause of this was because of the pandemic. And the you would lockdown. have to you would have to look at the police report and see if anything said like he was home more and it irritated me or the stress of this pandemic. If they literally said it without solicitation, then maybe you could start to. Or, I mean, other things that you could look at is you could look at, you know, whether or not the cops have been called to places before or not. Oh, true. So, so if, if, you know, because unfortunately, you know, there are a lot of patterns where someone will call, but then they won't press charges and then later they'll call right. and then they won't press charges. So, I mean, from, from a, you know, without having to go to the victim, you know, you could look at police reports per, you know, address or per location or per individual and find out if this individual had been making calls prior to the pandemic, mm. you know, so you could do recurring calls versus first time calls. That's okay. definitely something you could look at. But even then, even if it is first time calls, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, the abuse started because of or during the lockdown. The chances right. are that that abuse started well before. Mm-hmm. And it could be, I just want to say, because I've been trying to figure out during this, there is a way that it's a direct causation, but it's kind of mm -hmm. third party in the way that if you're a nurse, you're fucking super stressed out. If you're a poultry worker, you know, and you lost your job, if you're one of the 40 million people that lost their jobs because of this, mm -hmm. or if you're one of those people, one of the 40 million that got evicted, you know, Mm -hmm. Yeah, your mental illness is the the your mental the, health is is yeah, probably yeah. struggling. Right, thank you. And so, but I don't know if that's per lockdown or per COVID. You know what I mean? Right, and 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 you would. I would also want to say that you know, you would want to take a look at relevant. I would say relevant data in in this regard is you'd want to look back to let's say the financial crash mm -hmm. and let's and and let's take a look there at you know people who lost their jobs people who lost their homes right. because because you know even though you know the issue here is you know people are losing their jobs and people are losing their homes in one case you had the financial market you know having substantial right. issues and in another case you have a pandemic so the question is is you know is it related to economic downturn? That's a great question. If that is a, absolutely, at, yeah. that is a great question. But, you know, do you see those spikes because people are stuck at home? Or, mm -hmm. you know, that's a, that's a really interesting question that unfortunately, you know, I, you know, I don't know where you might necessarily start. And it, um, I can tell you that it, it shouldn't be purely from an economics point of view. No, 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 no. Okay. You know, it's, unfortunately, I, it's, I feel like there is a lot of, there's a lot of knowledge that can be gained by survivors that we mm -hmm. just struggle to, to get. Yeah. Um, and, and I understand why, because how do you ask someone to relive their hell? And, and try and, and, and try to, you know, get all of this information in such a quantifiable way. You know, there's, you know, this is one of those conundrums where the quest for answers can sometimes be just as traumatizing as the events that took place that lead you to ask the questions. Well, I believe in normalization through repetitiveness and so repeating your trauma over and over normalizes it and the more you share it the more you realize that people can empathize with it and my favorite part of this is that you're teaching somebody before they step in the hole not to step in the hole so for me in public access america is always talking about real people about what they went through so that the next person or the person in another country can say wow, I don't have to, I can sidestep that. And so, yeah, I can, I can understand the trauma of it. And I've gotten actually yelled at for suggesting topics that are a little personal, you know what I mean? But mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I want people to know that if you share, you're helping the next person. That's what the cavemen did. 
before there was all this technology, they would be like, ooga, ooga. And the other guy would go, oh yeah, there's a bear right there. You know what I mean? And that's how we learn things, but we stopped sharing. And now I feel like this generation, this time in history, people are realizing that they can be, they can be open and mm -hmm. they're not going to be shamed for it. And so I think we're talking a lot about a lot more about our mental health. And I think the younger generations are feeling free to consider themselves as like a non-binary or, mm -hmm. or transgender because they have the room and space to do that. I don't know if there's actually more or if it's a rebellion thing, you know, because their parents don't like that stuff. But I like the fact that there's room and space for people to be open and mm -hmm. that it, it can help other people. I hope that's what we do. And I hope COVID patients hear this and say, yeah, I want to tell you what happened because mm -hmm. more people need to know that there is people going through it. And the media always portrays the stats, more people dead, more people sick. And I want to hear more people getting better, more people mm -hmm. learning, more people. I want to hear somebody say, you know, fucking I wore a mask because my sister got it and almost died. I want to hear those stories <sighs> of why we're surviving, not why we're dying. Well, and, and, you know, it's, I think that's going to be one of the great, um, <clears throat> one of the great data pieces that comes out of COVID is figuring out why people survived. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, unfortunately I've got, uh, three family members that have it active r right now. Hmm. Um, so, um, it's, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, you know, Two, you know, one of them is geographically in a different location than the other two, but you know, one of them was following the rules and trying to do everything they could to not get sick, and and the other one wasn't and got them sick. Mm. So it's you know, you know, what I tell people is, is like with that mask mandate that you know everybody's so hungry for it. Mandate doesn't mean anything if people don't actually follow it. Right. And because it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything if you wear the mask and never wash your hands and touch your mask and touch everything else. And or if you wear a mask out in public and then go sit down at a restaurant and it's like, oh, well, I wore my mask out in public. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you went to a restaurant. You went to a place that was indoor and closed, no ventilation, right. air swirling around with a bunch of other people. It's like, yep. it's, you know, it, mm -hmm. it's, it's about as dumb looking as the people who just walk outside by themselves wearing a mask. It's, that's not. Yep. It's like, it's clear that you don't understand how this is supposed to work. Right. And, and while you think you are doing things properly, you are clearly not. <laughs> it's like, right. you know, even Fauci said, no, you don't need to wear a mask outside if you're by yourself or with your, mm -hmm. with your household. You know, get some fresh air for the love of God. <laughs> well, isn't that the saying? We, we um, govern to the, to the lowest common denominator, right? To the Apparently not person. very well. <laughs> we, have to make, we have to make laws to stop the stupidest people and the smartest people have to suffer because of it. So, yeah. 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 Um, but unfortunately, it's, you know, we, we, we make laws to the point where denial is our, our greatest accomplishment. Mm. Yeah, you know? piecemeal. Looking it. at what's happening in South Dakota, where you have people that are screaming that they can't be dying of a hoax right, while they're being the intubated in the hospital. Jesus, like I couldn't imagine being a nurse in those times. You want to know who's going to need some serious mental health? Yes. And by God, you can't leave those people hanging when, no. when this is all done. There, there's going to be a need, a serious need for mental health. And I just want to for say the, for those frontline workers that's that pissed me off was and I posted this that Donald Trump let this into the country. He did. He did. He didn't do preventative things. He eliminated that stuff. So our frontline became our shore instead of overseas. So it did come here before we detected it. He let it into the country and he's not doing anything. He's letting other people try and clean it up for him while he golfs and like Joe Biden was talking yesterday to the nurses 
And he literally started crying because of it. Now there's mm-hmm. a difference. Somebody that cares as opposed to somebody that doesn't. To me, it's that black and white with this, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, and, and I guarantee you, I'm, I'm not going to agree with a lot of things that Joe Biden says and does. Right. Guarantee it. But there is clearly a difference in that what where Joe Biden is coming from. You know, he is trying to empathize and help other people. Yeah. Donald Trump has only given a shit about himself. Right. And if the last four years haven't been enough evidence for you, like, I don't know what to say. Go back in the <clears throat> watch his Phil Donahue interviews, watch his Oprah interviews, watch any interview that that wasn't altered and edited by the political establishment. Go back and look mm-hmm. at the archive. Go to the Internet Archive and look up Donald Trump, and you'll find mm-hmm. stuff. And But here's what I want to talk about. I'm excited mm-hmm. because it, it's a transition perfectly into it. Joe Biden says he just wants to move on. He doesn't want to be mired in investigating the previous, um, mm-hmm. previous, you know, whatever administration, and yep. somebody brought up this this point of view that I really loved. It's not mm-hmm. up to him. Just like Donald Trump asking for investigations, Joe Biden shouldn't be allowed to ask for no investigations. Mm-hmm. I think there's an independence that has to be brought back to the department of justice. And so mm-hmm. I don't think it's up to him. And I just wanted to get your opinion. Do you think that we should investigate Donald Trump for literally everything? So two, my two thoughts on this are number one, if there was ever a way to implement dereliction of duty for a president, this should be the use case going forward as to how you would create um, an impeachable offense for dereliction of duty. Hmm. Now, this is going to be wildly unpopular by a lot of people, I guarantee it, <clears throat> because how do, you, how do you define dereliction of duty in a non-partisan, non-political way hmm. and in a highly partisan and political environment? That's that's a really tough one. And the answer is uh, constitution. But once again, you have a highly partisan and highly politically charged environment right now. Mm. So I don't know that you necessarily get there. But number two, I, I do agree that it is not up to Joe Biden, whether or not uh, Donald Trump gets investigated. But here's what I will say. There are a lot of people making a lot of money spewing a lot of things about Donald Trump because that name sells right now. You're so right, man. And the one thing that Donald Trump would hate more than anything else is to fade into obscurity. That's right. And, and in, I, was, I, I actually was thinking about this the other day. I was like, that guy would literally do anything to keep his name in someone else's mouth. That's right. He, he is the definition that bad attention is still attention. Mm-hmm. And, and while you know, part of me wants to see what terrible things he's done and have him prosecuted till the end of time, I feel like the states are probably going to have enough to do that on their own. I agree with that. Let let each of the states handle that in what they might have, but in, and from a federal standpoint, keep that fucking orange gorilla's name out of your mouth. Yes. Just move on and let's start actually helping American people. Mm-hmm. We had we've had several years of investigations that have turned into nothing but partisan fighting. That's right. Okay, great. You did nothing. You got paid for it. Awesome. Except well, it's not. I would, I, would, I would say that he, the one thing that really bugs me is that he obstructed a special counsel's investigation. And to me, that's saying to the next president, you can obstruct a, a special counsel's investigation. So what I would honestly like to see is, that opened back up and Mueller just given 
this time and space. He doesn't talk in the news media anyway. It was mm-hmm. it mainly went under the radar. I think we mm-hmm. should start that back up and give everybody the access to everything they need, and then wrap it, take the the Senate Judiciary Committees or Intel Committees results, you know, and put that in with it, and just come up with something that says neatly these are the crimes that we found. You know what I mean? And then we don't have to make big speeches about it. We just need to go through the process so that we learn so that we can make policy against it. You know, these are the laws he broke. Here, if we make one law that stops 50% of those, that's good. You know what I mean? And we can start putting restrictions back on the executive because he's just a manager. He's not the end all and be all he's just the guy that's pulling gears and levers for us he's not the guy that gets to choose which gears and levers to pull so so where i see this as you know potentially spending the rest of our days in the rear view mirror is just Mm. by doing that i think that there are lessons that we absolutely need from Mueller, but they are lessons that need to be put in place so that way the next president doesn't do that. Because otherwise all we're going to end up doing is we're just, we're going to spend our time constantly looking at the last administration, Mm -hmm. no matter who's in charge, trying to find some reason to punish or prosecute. That's right. And, and that means that the American people aren't going to get anything done for them. So maybe more like a nine 11 commission that comes out with a report that says what happened Every, every administration, these are the things that happened, you know, yep. just a, a book on it uh, yep. for, for the record. And from there, let, let the, let the uh, judicial process, let sure. the uh, legislative process, you know, come up with a, you know, a set of suggestions, you know, so, you know, this whole question regarding whether or not a sitting president could be charged. Yeah. Let let's let's get something on the books that clearly says whether or not that's that's possible. Yeah. Let's let's get something in the books that you know. What does can a sitting president be charged with obstruction? Sure. Yes. Make you know, things more black and white. You know, more than two things. You know, obstruction. Because and, uh, because the idea that a sitting president can't be charged once in in. in you know, from my perspective means that what you, what you're doing is you're saying that a president is above the law. Right. But that's a memo. That's not a law. That's a legal memo that can be thrown away, you know? Exactly. And, and unfortunately without a clear answer, without, you know, clear votes that say yay yay or nay, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that will never change. And and should we find ourselves with another Donald Trump Mm-hmm. You know, if we don't get these answers and we don't get them f- fixed for, you know, whatever the next administration looks like, we're, we're going to be constantly, you know, we're going to be constantly doing Clinton and Benghazi or Trump and That's Russia right. and, or Joe Biden and God knows what else. And, whatever you know, does. whoever's next and their thing. And, and sleepy instead of fast and furious, right? Right. So, so at what point do you have to decide that getting things done for the American people is more important? And, mm-hmm. and, and at this point, people need to understand that if Joe Biden's next four years are just about Donald Trump, then what if, when he decides to run in 2024, yeah. people will elect Donald Trump again. Yeah, we we do want him to fade into obscurity, and it, four years is a lifetime in politics, you know. And exactly. So here's the thing: seventy-three million people voted for Donald Trump. There's three hundred and sixty yep. million people in the country. Let's say a hundred million of them are children. So let's say two hundred and sixty. I wanted to talk about this maybe more in depth on the next episode. I wanted to break down the Trump vote because. I don't believe that 30% of the country is a Trump supporter. I think more like a portion of that, maybe say 14% of that is the wild Trump supporter. But 14% of 30% of 100% is a very minuscule amount. It's just they're so radical that we're seeing them all the time. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? That's what the news is trying to capture. But a lot like serial killers when they were big and we were worried there was a serial killer around every corner because the news kept, you know, portraying mm-hmm. serial killers everywhere. I think they're doing that with the 
boogeyman is now the Trump supporter. And I don't think oh, absolutely. of those radical, weird, you know, the vote, I don't have any answers type people. I think that's a very small amount of the country that we can disappear a little bit. Once well, that's Medicaid, you know, Medicare. Well, and, I mean, absolutely. And, and one of the things that we have to keep in mind is, is that, you know, social media has helped amplify these, the, the visibility on these people, mm. just like social media has amplified, you know, visibility for many other things. It is terraforming our country, our world, mm. literally. And, and it's the hot trash, you know, <laughs> it's you, you, like, for example, where, you know, constantly you're seeing Joe Biden called the radical left and I'm sitting here going mm -hmm. man, that dude hasn't known anything radical since 1970 <laughs> exactly he is that, a Republican to every everybody left of him he is a Republican absolutely like he like I I've, I he's a centrist mm -hmm. and maybe maybe just left of center but not he, by much he believes in abortion but his his views are against it his personal belief is against it, but he believes mm -hmm. in, in, in the choice. government staying out. Exactly. You know, and, and it's a real simple thing to do. It's like, mm -hmm. it's my opinion is, is that I'm not exactly, I'm not in favor of it, but when it comes to the choice, not my body, not my choice, not my choice, not, not my business. No, but I believe in freedom of choice. So mm -hmm. like I, I, I think heroin is still so bad because there hasn't it hasn't been legalized and used. It, it turned into something else. Like they haven't extracted anything. They haven't manipulated it. They haven't played with heroin enough to give me the buzz without the bad side effects. No, you know there hasn't been that stuff. So I think mm. free market freedom of choice. But I think there is certain things that the government is there for, and that, that's mm -hmm. our inalienable rights. And I would like health health to be part of that inalienable. So, so, so when you, you know, with heroin, the, you're, the answer you're looking for is opium. Mm -hmm. Because opium is, opium is the, you know, you can smoke opium and then it'll just put you to sleep. Yes, but, you can. But, you know, heroin and morphine and all these other synthesized drugs, you know, they don't have the limiters that, you know, are naturally built into the plants. So you can overdose real quickly, really easily on, on morphine and heroin. Right. Whereas it's, it's real. I, I don't know that there really has ever been a case of overdosing on actual opium. I don't know. Kind of like, kind of like you can't, kind of like you can't overdose on marijuana. You get yourself real high that you're incapacitated for a few right. days. Right. But nobody's died from doing a weed. <laughs> and again, it's like the only time that I felt that was when I like switched brands almost like mm -hmm. when I went to a friend's house and he rolled a joint and I smoked it and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know? But if I stick to my standard and my stuff and it stays steady and it's legal, then I'm just fine with it, you know? Right. So, you know, the, the, the lens of, of, any vote, I think, whether it's the Trump vote, whether it's the Bernie Sanders vote, I think that it's a real interesting topic to dig into mm -hmm. because ultimately I think what you see is the settle vote. While I'm used to voting conservative or I'm used to voting Republican, so Trump it is, I guess. Right. Or I'm used to voting Democrat or I'm, you know, and I'm used to voting liberal, so Biden it is, I guess. Right. I think, I think what, you, what you see currently is a lot of, well, I guess it's ex-candidate. Mm -hmm. And at some point, I, I hope that you see that scale tip. And, for example, I hope that progressives decide that they're going to have their own party and let the Democrats flounder on their own. Yeah. I hope that libertarians become more serious about yeah. having a real party and, and you know, whatever conservatives are out there are left to fend on their own. You know, libertarians, they don't give a shit. They I would want... love to see progressives and libertarians form a progressive Republican party. You know what I mean? Just to pull the Republicans. Because 
They keep pulling us to the right with making us compromise. I think we need to start a party that says we're fucking progressive and Republican, and these are our values. You know, we believe in the left values. <laughs> well, and, and, and I think that's what the, the crazy thing would be is, is that, you know, yeah, climate change is an issue, but mm-hmm. we're, we're, you know, instead of doing this whole weird carbon tax situation, it's like, look, here's a simplified tax code. You want a tax break? Here's what you get to invest in and write off. Exactly. That's it. Or if you don't like gay marriage, great, don't get one. That's right, don't get one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> want to have you want to have automatic weapons? Great, go get one. There you go. You know, if you don't like it, tough tough shit. You know, <laughs> and I think that's where I think that's you know where I think you know as we kind of talked about with Sierra, I think progressives and libertarians tend to somewhat support each other a little bit mm-hmm. simply because it's like, it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Don't yeah. agree with the method, but we agree with the goal. Well, it's the two parts of the brain, right? It's the, it's the logical and the emotional. I think mm-hmm. libertarians are like, we just want to, we want to take and dissect some of this government out because it's fat. And we're like, yes, but will you please think of the children? And you're like, <laughs> libertarians are like yeah but we got to shrink the government look at all this waste and we're like yeah we agree but if as long as it's there can we use it to save the children (laughs) and so it's more of the head and heart theory yeah whereas i you know when i look at the republican party and the democrat party it's you know i just see two different nascar jackets yeah you know and and i just wish they were more honest about who was sponsoring them Mm -hmm. that that's more like anus and genital and we're in the perinatal region you know what i mean (laughs) yeah i mean i would go maybe with taint and asshole but you know whatever well taint the asshole taint the genitals it's a taint. yep which is really what they are i told my doctor i was like i got a pain she's like where i was like my taint and she's like where's that i was like well taint my asshole and it taint my genitals (laughs) she's like right oh so i just learned this weekend it's the perinatal region i love that you know what i mean Yep. Oh, that's, yep. That's, I love that one. And so just to wrap up the final thing, cause I always, I always imagine that I hope that a Trump supporter hears this and just like listens through and realizes that we don't care about Democrats and Republicans. We care about Americans. And I just mm. want to say to ease your mind about the vote, you have to realize that Donald Trump lost while Republicans gained. And that's a, that's a, active decision that republicans made to rebuke donald trump but then to go for the lower the senate the house and all of those other republicans they voted straight republican they changed their vote on the president republicans mm-hmm. did that the same version of what you are yep. did that. and so pay attention to more of that stuff pay attention to the whole thing not just what donald trump says you know and decide for yourself what's real because he is, he's, he, he wants to do some crazy shit and we, he's doing it because you support him and he wants to keep your support and he's going to keep destroying things and he doesn't care anymore if you voted for him or not. He wants to destroy America on his way out and that includes your life and my life. And so we're all kind of in this against a lame duck Trump and mm-hmm. just pay attention to it. If he's hurting you, if he's hurting your family, if he's hurting your friends, he's hurting all of us. And we need to pay attention to that. Not that he's not, I don't care if he's being crucified at the cross by politicians. That's a different, that's a different thing. I think that the powers that be stopped funding him because they realized that we were rising up as one and they wanted to put us back to sleep. So they gave us sleepy Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. And, and on top of that, you know, I love a good conspiracy theory, but this ain't one of them. You know, the, the idea is that there have been these mass vote riggings and this, that. Like, look, to me, to me, there should always be, you know, a, a, a recount that happens at the same time as the, the electronic voting. Because, you know, you have to make sure that whatever systems you implement are doing their job fairly and accurately. Mm-hmm. And so this, this politis, this politicization of whether or not a recount is necessary. I honestly, I think that you have your electronic count and I think you have, you know, your hand count or your hand audit or however Mm -hmm. you have your system. Mm 
Yep. And you have the two things running in conjunction, which is why I've said it's like, great, you know, have these voting systems in place that allow you to vote, you know, on these systems that then print out your ballot that yes. you can check over and make sure that it's correct. And then you hand it to a person that then tabulates the, the, the paper version of yes. your ballot. So that way you've got two counts happening at the same time and we can find out if there actually is a software issue or not. Right. If, well, if systems are actually being done or not, you know, yeah. like they found, they found 2,600 votes in Georgia that, you know, they, the system didn't disappear. Them. Mm-hmm. You know, someone physically failed to do their job and, and get them turned in, mm. but you're not going to find millions of votes. You no. might find a couple thousand and it's not going to overturn the results of the election. No. And you can sit down and complain and, you know, talk about all of these different conspiracy theories all you want. But you got to look at what it looks like in, in the court of law and in these vote counts. And so far, Trump is swinging one for 20. Mm-hmm. And even then, that one was like, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll let you have more people oversee. But that's really about it. Right. You know, because there hasn't, there hasn't been any fraud. And the sad part is, is that you have a Republican secretary of state getting death threats, getting calls from senators from other fucking states. Like you want to talk about states rights, tell Lindsey Graham to keep his fucking state out of your mouth. That's right. You know, keep tell Lindsey Graham that, you know, his business is fucking South Carolina and he needs to leave Georgia the fuck alone. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, you want to talk about, you want to talk about, you know, outside influence. Lindsey Graham needs to shut his fucking mouth Agreed. and let Georgia deal with Georgia. That's right. It looks good on you, Georgia. You look so good, Blue. You just helped the whole country just look so much better. Yeah, they're going to go red again in the next election as long as it's not Trump, I imagine. I don't think so. I think the demographic has changed and all the people that moved, all the immigrants that moved into Georgia to help build the houses and all that stuff, I think their kids are coming of age and I think I think they're going to stay pretty blue. I think uh, if Stacey Abrams runs again, she's going to win. It's just going to stay blue. I want Texas. Potentially. Want Potentially. Texas. Mm. Texas, Texas is going to be a long sell um, for a while. Although I had to laugh when, you know, because this will be one fun for us to talk about later is parlor. Jesus Christ. Oh yeah. I sent that to you, right? Did you, did you hear the news? Cam models took over all the hashtags on parlor. No, that's funny. And now, now the, uh, all the right, the right, the right wing is saying, you got to censor them. You got to censor them. (laughs) It's fucking hilarious. Oh, that's fantastic. And, but, you know, guess what? Um, you know, someone was sharing about how, you know, they had inside proof that you know, the election was rigged. And I looked at the map, you know, and they're like, Donald Trump had like 410 of the electorates. And I'm like looking at it. I'm like, wait, you think California went to Trump? Right. How fucking high are you? That's what they're saying. Well, if you take out, if you take out California, he would have won. Well, how do you just take out California? (laughs) Well, if you would take, if you take out Texas, Trump would have still lost. That's right. It's like, look, dude, (laughs) (sighs) that's, you know, it's, 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 there's a lot of bullshit out there. And I feel, I, I really do feel bad for the generations that are going to come up and have to try and ferret out what all this bullshit is. All those kids being raised by these radical Trump supporters, this 14% of the country, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, crazy. And, and to have to sit down and try to explain to my kids, you know, conspiracy theories and balance of probability, like why this is trash. Right. Come on, you know, like like I've said a lot of times this week, I would say I'm not a math person, but I spend a lot of money to say I am. <laughs> right. And bounds of probability is is that Trump lost, okay. and he got you know he didn't get his ass handed to him, Mm-mm. but he lost. Yeah. And and sometimes that's all it is is it's just an L. 
It's not, you know, everybody wants to say that it's a mandate. No, I don't mm-hmm. think that it was. You know, 306 is, uh, 303 or 306 is not a mandate. No. It's just a win. And it was just, it was kind of like, a, you know, Tyson Holyfield fight. It was a good fight. It wasn't mm-hmm. a crappy fight. It's not like, actually, Donald Trump did pretty, pretty shitty in his campaign, you know, and that's the way I feel. I don't think it was a Holyfield Tyson. I think it was more like a butter, butterbean Tyson sort of thing. Right. You know what I mean? I, and I think Donald Trump, just people fell into the economy for some reason. But mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, he didn't do anything for me. He didn't legalize weed. He didn't eliminate fucking student loans. He didn't do any of those major things he could have done a week before the election to get my vote. If you vote for me, I will change your life and give you all $5,000 a month. He didn't try that at all that's I mean, what bugs me and and it's only now that he's like like trying to pull troops out of the mm-hmm. out of you know the middle east as fast as he can and then like you had four years to get this done dude mm-hmm. it's like and the vote is already cast yeah it's like you're, this isn't un, you're not undoing this your legacy is set in stone as long as you obstruct him uh, the transition your 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 legacy is is set yep mm. I might have no, to put no. this out this week and push the other two back. <laughs> we have these two episodes, Global Dysfunction, Dysfunction, and I keep pushing them back a week because what we're talking about is so relevant. You know what I mean? But, you know, sometimes that's just the nature of, of mm. life right now. You know, luckily we've got plenty of time to talk about some other really cool things. And, yeah. you know, when, when we find ourselves stumped, we've got some great things that are coming about. But... You know, this one's pretty hot right now, and I, you know, when we finally get a small little taste of normalcy and peace and quiet, let's talk about a few other things other than yeah. we can clean up our yards, right? Right. But let's let's get people. I'll end. I'll end on that. We just need to get people to a soft landing together. So yay! Yeah. Thanks for being here, Jeffrey. Thanks for having me. I want to say before you leave. Tune into Friends and an Enemy, which is going to be coming out, um, I think, on Monday. No, they have their own page now. So the next episode they do, they're going to have their very own podcast. We're going to set them up with a feed, and they're going to be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everything. So, Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. It's it, it's a good time. It's a lot of laughs. It is. Absolutely. They're, they are hysterical. Yeah, they are. You got to – I mean – in a time like this, when all you need are a few laughs, trust me, you'll be hurting by the end. That's right. I mean, I wish their audio was better. Somebody had said, they're, they're cracking me up, but I can't understand what they're saying. But I could because I was in the software, so I had it all set, you know. And it right. It's just, it's hard to get that noise out. But they're talking about some stuff that made me cringe, you know. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I wish people could hear this better. So, And we're working on that for the next episode. Hopefully, yeah, I got some setup to do tonight for that. So, And thank you for listening to Public Access America. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, the Stitcher Smart Radio app, Podcast Addict, and more. You can find us on YouTube. We've got some great videos. There's some great clips. And check out our Instagram, all at Public Access America. You can find us on Twitter at Public Access Pod. And check out Interesting Engineering, Move On, and other great things like Emily's List and others. So just some great content. We, we support independent podcasts there. So if you're ever looking for a new show, go ahead and check out Public Access Pod on Twitter and just to scroll through, you're going to find a bunch of great information that isn't about Trump, where we've actually been blocked and blocked Trump. So it's not in there. And check out Public Access Guy on TikTok and Snapchat. Send me a message if you want us to talk about anything specific and just follow and like. Finally, this is Facebook. This is our Facebook live stream, so like our page and follow and enjoy watching view. These are nonpartisan discussions. We're not trying, we have no agenda. We're just trying to help Americans be here. Thanks for watching Public Access America. You have a great day, and I will talk to you another time. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those
The Stitcher Smart Radio app, Potable, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. In the 